The year is 1991. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Hello, and welcome to 1991 Variant Cover A, first variant cover of My Marvelous Year's coverage of 1991. We are recording here today live on the My Marvelous Year Twitch. Thank you to those of us who joined, including ourselves. I'm going to thank ourselves, Zach. I feel, I feel good that we both made it here. You made it through traffic, through work to get here. I made it sure. through never leaving my home office to get here, and uh, and we're, we're going to do a special 1991 variant cover. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's in the news today. Zach, I want to talk to you about the Eternals trailer a little bit, Ooh. okay? Mm. And uh, a few updates for what's going on on the My Marvelous Year podcast, and then we will answer some listener questions. Thanks to those of you who supplied. If you have questions for the My Marvelous Year crew as we go through this journey, uh, this reading club where we've been reading Marvel Comics from Origins to today. We started in 1961. We are now on 1991. Uh, you can send those to mymarvelousyear@gmail.com. You can send them to at mymarvelousyear on social. Or if you are a member of the Patreon-exclusive Slack, you could, of course, submit them in the Slack as well. Uh, if you would like to join that, great group of reading club fans uh you check out patreon.com slash my marvelous year it is uh the only way we are supported currently uh monetarily so everybody who has joined that is greatly greatly appreciated um it's super awesome that we have people in there willing yeah. to help us out that is great now quick introductions i'm dave founder editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com he's zach my co-host the only one the only one for me zach dean zach how are you today <laughs> I'm good. I'm uh, I'm uh, like the one excited about the Eternals. I guess seems like uh, the the reception has been a little dour, but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty into it. So uh, the reception I mean, I'm not, I'm is not out of my mind. Like <laughs> I'm not pogged out of my gourd, Dave. But I'm 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 excited. Pogged? Yeah, Did you just use like pogs as a verb? Yeah, it's like a cool new Zoomer thing that um. Well, I resisted <laughs> I resisted for a while, but now I am uh -huh. embracing as a cool pog champ teen. Um, yeah, yeah. You yeah. really, th there's a lot of Zoomer things that you've been embracing lately that I, I kind of I wonder if somebody's pulling your leg. I kind of wonder <laughs> if you're getting pranked here because the other day I you mean, also Pog, told Pog me. Pog is years old, to, to be fair. Pog, like, uh, yeah, streamers have been talking about being pogged and uh, uh -huh, pogging uh -huh. out for, for a there's long just, time. There's just a lot about streamers and Zoomers. And yeah, yeah. I, like you keep telling me that I got to check out this show Beavis and Butthead. You keep yeah. saying like all the zoomers are into it. Okay, you keep you keep telling me about Legends of the Hidden Temple. Three's is Company this... is one that all the zoomers tell me is like really hot right now. Yeah, yeah, you it's keep like a really me... fun like polyamory thing. That uh, right? No, zoomers it's, love it's... polyamory. Yeah, no, it, that that might be true. <laughs> that actually that actually seems true. Um, yeah, I think somebody might pull in your leg. We'll have to continue investigating. But the, but the cool thing I... I want you to get used to on the show is me going sheesh. I'm gonna do that a lot. I don't know if yeah. you're aware of that one. Yeah, okay. every time you say something cool, I'm going to go, sheesh. 
I'm going to try to keep up with with where your game is at because definitely I'm not hanging with enough zoomers. I am definitely not. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I am definitely not watching enough streams, and I think I'm a little behind the curve. Um, I'm getting I'm getting up there. I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely the it's it's the 10 year anniversary of Comic Book Herald, Zach. Did you know that? I so did. It's the, it's Congratulations. The 10 year anniversary. Yeah. Well, not like literally today, but thank you. Oh, um, but you know, like a decade of doing this, like I'm I'm old man comics, uh, which is which is fine with me. It's always been spiritually true. Regarding the Eternals trailer, that yeah. that did drop today. So when you're hearing this, it'll have been a week since Marvel released this. I. I, I literally thought it was too dark, <laughs> which was so weird. Like it just like visually was I it was really hard for me to tell what was going on. Speaking of old man eyes, maybe um, it reminds me my my wife's friend when like Game of Thrones was was picking up steam and, mm-hmm. and becoming popular on HBO. She they were talking about it and her friend was like, yeah, like it's so dark. And my wife was like, oh yeah, like definitely you know touches on a lot of you know mature subjects and you know they. Big, you know, like, big deaths and all that. She's no, like, no, literally, it's literally it's... too dark. And yeah. this was early. This was before they had the whole Night King fiasco kind of thing. Um, that that was my reaction. Uh, you know what? I mean, you gotta watch. It, it is true. Like a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff, it's not made for TVs. It's made for a movie theater. And I'm sure watching like the Battle of Winterfell on a movie theater screen would look beautiful. But everyone watches. <laughs> it that wasn't at made home. for that. <laughs> exactly right. Nobody it's made for home. Experience. So like yeah. them, them having an understanding of that, it, it, I think that is lacking. But we watched like. We watched that at night with the lights turned off and it looked fine. But like 100%, if you watch that in anything except like the optimally dark room, <laughs> yeah, for sure, I, I can see that. Uh, I watched it as Scorsese intended on a tablet, pausing a few times to do other things. <laughs> you couldn't make it through a two-minute trailer without pausing. I we, make we started it. I had to stop. We started Doctor Strange. Yeah, we rewatched Doctor Strange like three or four months ago, and uh, and we started in the middle of the day in our like sunny living room couldn't see a thing the opening scene like yeah. could not tell what was happening and then we watched it in the evening with the lights out and it was totally fine and legible so yeah 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 i mean it is i just i've never had that with a trailer before uh, i, I didn't is, have that i watched it on my seems phone particularly e- strange e- even after seeing you make a tweet about it and i thought it was fine but anyway about the like content of the trailer i, I mean no story in the trailer which is fine by me i I'm, think i'm kind of glad for that it's not shocking because they're the mcu and they can do whatever they want but yeah when you're doing it with a franchise that no one knows anything about, I just, this was so bare bones. It, it felt so generic. It really, and I don't, I don't, I saw, you know, there's a lot of like, there's, there's definitely an MCU backlash, which tends to happen anytime the MCU isn't basically because it was a gap year last year for them, you know, sure. because they didn't drop anything. I think that has allowed the backlash to creep in. Whereas, Basically, in the past, you know, there's always been a few months where that happened, but then they drop something new. It's incredibly successful and generally pretty good, you know, and it kind of just like it kind of just quells that every time. And I think the Falcon Winter Soldier getting mixed reviews, to put it politely, Mm -hmm. gap between that and Loki and Black Widow and just like basically them being in this new legacy era where they they don't need to prove themselves all over again, per se, but they need to prove some new things eternals among them and for me it's like this trailer doesn't prove it doesn't prove anything it doesn't it doesn't get me excited about why this movie's happening i guess Hmm. um it just felt very generic and uh it actually made me i wasn't worried about eternals i suspect because the mcu is very smart you know if nothing else they're very strategic and intelligent about this stuff uh it got me a little worried it got i'm not gonna freak out but it got me a little worried that this movie 
doesn't know what it wants to be. Um, or it's going to be this very kind of boring generic thing. I don't know. It's probably an overreaching because they didn't, they didn't really share any details, so we don't know what this is going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I'm kind of just like, wait and see. I don't I don't jump into too much speculation, but it looked fine to me. I was like, cool cast, uh, looks pretty. I liked the, uh, the cinematography. Chloe Zhao is a good director, so that part is, you know... That feels pretty solid to me. So I'm, have you uh, have you watched Nomad Lad? Uh uh-uh, uh no, just um <laughs> the one that people have not seen, Songs My Brother Told Me, Songs My Brother Sang Me, something like that. Um okay. which is like her first like very micro budget feature. Yeah. So no, so I, I haven't I seen started Nomad watching Land it. Or the writer yet. I, I watched it when it started getting hype. Um mm-hmm. and that's another one watched as Scorsese intended on my tablet over three evening working sessions <laughs> and incredible um it's a zach i didn't like it that much <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fine i get it it's uh it's a interesting enough topic i can tell that like this is a director with style right like i can mm-hmm. tell the director has a very good eye for image which i hope comes through in this eternals movie um but it's definitely it's definitely a slow meditation, right? Yeah, and oh, that, that is all three of her movies are very, like, quiet, naturalistic. I mean, especially, like, the Nomadland is the first with a major actor at the center of it. So I'll be curious how she directs actors, because normally she well, uses oh, non-professional yeah, yeah, actors. Um, that's, like, the the first movie and the writer both use, like, non-professionals. Yeah, it's so. just, it's a really, she's a really interesting choice for yeah. an Eternals movie. Like, she yeah. does not, based on that resume, based on what we're describing... I'd be really curious to get an authentic answer from Feige at all, like what the thinking was there. Because with like Taika, for example, it was a smaller director heading it, or, you know, of a, a smaller status heading into Thor, right? But as someone who had watched those movies, you knew there was like an incredible energy and, and humor mm-hmm. to those that could potentially work. And then it, and then it did, and then some. Um, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated to see what this movie's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful it still it remains honestly a great MCU pick because I just I my Eternals knowledge is so limited you know and the amount of Eternals reading that like 98% of Marvel fans have done is so light yeah that it's just it feels like one of those rare untapped franchises um, which honestly makes it a lot more appealing the, there's less baggage there's less to dig into so yeah um, yeah I mean, I've... I'm surprised I guess I'll say this I'm surprised the trailer didn't do the obvious hey thanos remember him here's some people who are related thing i'm surprised well, it, didn't, it didn't it didn't that set that up in. yeah 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 it didn't set any i mean like at, at the very end there's the one little link wink at like them mentioning the avengers and it's like okay oh this does take place in the same universe so it, it right right i mean at this point like i'm more or less just kind of interested in <laughs> whatever they do you know whether or not like and it's it's not even that I like adore all of these movies, but I'm I'm just kind of bought in. So, because there are people like there's a fair amount of people like in our club, and you know I just see on Twitter saying like, as soon as Endgame was done, they were like, yeah, I'm kind of I think the MCU, I'm, I'm kind of bored with them and whatever they're gonna do next. Like I loved Endgame, but that was the end for me, and I don't really I do think they have to prove themselves just overall that they can still exist post Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. You know, well uh, I mean. And, but, well, they're not. Act- yeah, the, in, in the I mean, Elysium, they do. Really. I mean, my Endgame is a great jumping-off point. It is because it is. It, it's a. It's the rarest thing in the superhero style, which is like, it can be treated as an ending. 
You can yeah, accept sure. Endgame as your yeah, ending yeah. and be done. And that's not a bad place. Like, like that's definitely where my wife's at. Like, she told, I was like, oh, like, I was like, because she loves Ragnarok, for example. And I was like, oh, like, if there's a movie in that style or, you know, the next Thor, like, are you interested in that even? And she's like, not really. <laughs> like, hmm, like I think I'm just done with Marvel stuff, um, which is fine. Like, if, yeah, that's, sure. if that's where people are at. I, I do think there's, there's a, a lot of the cynicism and the snark that comes. It can kind of only exist, again, in a vacuum where the MCU isn't producing a lot. You know, which is kind of just this rare thing because of what the world has been. Well, um, I, I think a lot <laughs> yeah, of that will get, get squashed. Five, five TV series and four movies this year, so that's yeah. I, I, I mean, I the, think it's going to get squashed. Is like, I, I, I don't really know if this is true, but it does feel like we are hitting just an incredible saturation of superhero television and movies right now. And that, I mean, that's been true for a long time, but like this year especially, it just feels like. Every other week, there's a new show, there's a new movie being announced. Like, there's so much superhero stuff, and I, I think, you know, the MCU, whether or not they are better than the than most stuff, there's just kind of a fatigue over that. Well, it's been talked about kind of to death, yeah, right? Like this oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you like, know, and it's it's been written about forever, you know, by film critics who are clearly resentful. <laughs> they had to spend their time, <laughs> yeah, on of superhero course, stuff, yeah. right? Like, so that's it's been a fairly common topic in that regard. I think right now, though, I do think you're right that it is saturating in a way it hasn't in the past. And that's, I think it's in part, be, well, part of it is like Marvel's cramming things that would have come out last year, right? So there's there's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. I think next year will probably be a little more interesting of a test as they, as they catch up. Uh, but it's also the big thing that's happening now is we're finally getting sort of the dam breaking on not indies, but, you know, what, what I guess gets filtered into indie comic stories, non-Marvel DC stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Invincible, like, Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's, Lega- Jupiter's Legacy is coming out soon. The, the big one, where it was just like, oh, okay, we're just... Netflix is really just being like, okay, well, we need a superhero thing, too. We need more superheroes out well, there. Well, they're, like they're kind of not, though. I mean, they made, they made that deal with Mark Miller years ago. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that's, not a, that's not them... I mean, that it's them reacting to the movement, but it's like, that that is years in the making. Yeah, well, of course, um, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, it is it is suddenly where it's just like it is a bit too much, you know. And I, I tweeted about this previously, but it is like even as somebody who runs a comic site, you know, like I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not interested in keeping up with all of this. Like I'm I'm really interested in checking out Modoc, but I didn't start it yet. You oh, know? we like, could talk about Modoc. Really I watched I watched the first episode of Modoc. What What did you think? I'm excited to start it. It okay. It is ripped straight out of my teenage years like family guy american dad robot chicken style of comedy it is such a throwback to that style of comedy and like not in a is way that, that a good thing for you is that no a no for me it's not because i i used to love all those shows but now i'm <clears throat> i don't know like i'm just older it's not quite as funny to now me now he's a like man snarky man, cynical, man, man. S- <laughs> snarky cynical uh you know like joke a minute or not a joke a minute like 10 jokes a minute kind of you style. like to make one joke every like i don't know two or three episodes but um yeah yeah that's well we make a lot more just a lot fewer land um and uh yeah just like it was fine i watched it and i was like okay it's not for me um if 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 you're someone who still can watch family guy and be like yeah this is fun and what i'm so into your like, criticism of this comedy is too many jokes <laughs> yeah sure i mean it, you know like uh t- to the uh detriment of maybe any kind of like through line that I care about, right? Like, I didn't walk away caring about any of the characters. And the jokes are old-fashioned. Like, the jokes all feel like good, solid 
sitcom jokes. Like, so it felt it just felt old to you. It just felt like a felt throwback, a little, but not in a not in an appealing way. Yeah, I mean, so, some of the better jokes that worked for me are the fun winks and the stuff that you'll like is the fun winks to Marvel stuff. You know, like sure. them going to a five star Michelin restaurant that's uh you know where Fing Fang Foom is the chef. You know, sure. st- yeah, stuff I'm, like that. Su- that super adaptoid yeah. being like their wacky butler and them just using him for like we need a ladder so get super adaptoid over here like and him just like being completely wasted in his power set like stuff like that like they yeah th- those are fun little winks at marvel stuff that was the most fun i had with it besides that i was kind of like ah oh, this is okay and i would have eaten this up a decade ago but uh it's it's uh it's not for me anymore but i, I think people are generally liking it Okay, uh, fair enough. I, yeah, no, yeah, I've seen I I've seen pretty positive it. feedback. I'm I am looking forward to starting it when I have a minute. But just to the broader topic, I yeah. mean, there's that. De- like like I've watched one episode of Invincible. Um, I'm, I haven't touched Jupiter's Legacy. I edited a oh, very yeah. long piece about it, and that's probably what I'm going to do. Oh, <laughs> like, God, that's Jupiter's Legacy got terrible reviews. I don't yeah. think people are are liking that. No, and it's just like I just don't need to. I don't need to consume all this stuff. I I'm yeah, a little sure. worried about. I'm I'm not worried about Marvel. They know what they're doing. DC is a cluster, but they have these entities and these properties where it's like they might just drop an amazing Batman movie and who cares for a minute, right? Like they yeah, can do that yeah, yeah. at any given time. I'm a little worried about this this sort of windfall, like I said, this dam breaking on sort of just like, hey, here's lock and key. And it's like, yeah, but why? Like why did this need to be you could just so f- adapted beyond yeah. Like it, it will create a new obvi- a new audience, and these creators will get paid, and these are good things for the comics. But for me, as someone who's read and enjoyed them, that's not that enjoyable. Oh, that's mean, not an enjoyable Sweet experience, Tooth, right? Sweet Tooth is getting a Netflix adaptation. I mean, that's... and like, like if it here's the thing is like that's that kind of has to adapt that story that's already been told, right? Like you can you can alter certain things, yeah, sure. and you can change certain things for the better. But ultimately, like I'm not such a Sweet Tooth head. That oh, I'm gonna I mean, want to watch and be like, what's the what's the little things they changed? You know, the I mean, the five it also, little I differences. Watched, I, I read Sweet Tooth like like almost a decade ago and and quite liked it. And yeah. uh, and then it's like, good. but in no world would I read that comic and be like, oh man, I can't wait to see a pretty straightforward live action adaptation of this. And maybe you know, it like, won't be that. Maybe it won't be that straightforward. It, but it like, looks that's pretty Netflixed. For. You know, it probably is, is. Netflix is pretty middle of the road stuff. Like they 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 stick to the center. More or yeah. less, like for other adaptations. So, I mean, Lock and Key. Who's talking about that show anymore? Right? Like, well, exactly. That exists? That's yeah. my, that's my point. Is like I'm the only show that I'm interested in are the comics I haven't read. You know, mm. um, so like Umbrella Academy, like I had less familiarity with, and like it was I kept up with it for that reason. I don't think it's amazing, but it's fine. Um, I, I'm interested in the shows that are going to take material and actually do something quite different. Um, Doom, I always Doom hold Patrol, up eyes. Doom Patrol does a great job. At the, well, I mean, not, yeah, but they do. Um, I always hold up iZombie as an example of this, too, where yeah, they took a supernatural horror comic and they made a zombie police procedural, murder mystery procedural, and it worked. It's, it's really fun. It's a really fun CW show. Um, that That's the type of show that I want to see. This sort of like, hey, Netflix bought, you know, your 10 favorite image comics of the 2000s and they're just going to adapt them directly, like, that just sounds so boring. Um, yeah, and, totally. And I, I it's not going to be boring for people who haven't seen them and then are going to get into comics because of it, you know? So, you, so I don't want to... I'm not saying, like, it shouldn't happen. And again, too, like, get all the creators paid. Like, get all of the, the people. Like, get, you know, Ed Brubaker, get some money for a criminal or whatever, right? Like, 
mm-hmm. that's great. Um, but just for me as somebody who sort of prefers comics originally, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know that I'm finding a ton of value in like all of a sudden of, these things getting adapted. I can't think of a straight adaptation to television that I care about because all the, the comic TV that I like is like very loose interpretations. So I'm thinking like Legion, right? Which is not based on any specific comic. It's just like so the loosest of the, the vibe <laughs> of, uh, of some characters. And I love that. And it's like a very original product from like a singular vision pulling in elements of the comics, but not like based on any one particular storyline or run. Um, and then like, I guess what the what the MCU is doing, like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, like I don't, I didn't love Falcon and Winter Soldier, but at least like those were new stories, right? So like, yeah, the the straight adaptation holds very little appeal for me. I, I kind of feel like I mean I kind of feel like that's true for just about anybody who has read it though. Um, you know, I I don't know, like even the biggest fans of Why the Last Man, for example, which is one that's mm-hmm. been rumored for a long time. Like, yeah. how many of them are like, I can't wait to see this. on my tablet while I do some work it's like I just I that seems like such a small audience to me I guess the bigger you know the bigger appeal for the Netflixes is hey this turns out it's a great story and it just becomes a hit as is and who cares if the nerds who read it a while ago are kind of bored by it I guess you know because there's thousands and thousands of people who haven't who might watch it this way which is you know which is fine um but yeah I I don't know this kind of negative but I'm bored by it I, I'm more interested in like comic adaptations of movies because they usually they have to be a little more creative. And, and I'm kind of talking outside of what we were just saying with superhero stuff, but like Snowpiercer being adapted as a film, or uh, I don't know what else. Like you know, in, indie stuff getting turned into films. Like I would the end of the the end of the effing world on yeah, sure. on Netflix, which is not a great graphic novel. I really enjoyed the first season of TV. That's that to me is the perfect sweet spot of. Basically, like, this is something I actually wouldn't have probably bothered reading. Yeah. Um, but I liked it the way it got adapted. That that's Wanted? Like... I, I had fun. I saw Wanted in theaters <laughs> yeah, twice. Yeah, sure. And well, I had fun did with you? that movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't hate, I didn't hate the movie. It was... I didn't love it, but it was fine. Um, and I hated the comic. I hadn't exactly, read it at yeah. that point. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, if you so asked me know. if Chew, right? Like, if I was going to turn Chew into a TV show, especially because there was all this talk about turning it into a, a cartoon, like, Invincible... Yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't watch it. I adore Chew. Even like a great cartoon adaptation, I'd be like, "Well, I'll just go read the comic, right?" Like, yeah. What am I getting out of this that I wouldn't get out of this? But if you were going to turn it into a movie, oh yeah, I'd love that. I'd, I'd definitely go see that. Same with like, uh, I don't know, Sandman. I wouldn't want to see a Sandman TV show, even though I think that's happening. That's happening. That but is a, happening. But a movie right. version, you know, like I, I think you can just kind of condense and get to the core of something. And tell something a little bit that's a little more successful and more just a like here's a straight retelling. Um, that's an interesting argument. I mean, I guess the thing though is like I don't know that that was kind of the smartest thing for me that Kirkman and company did with The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which was that first season, which I don't think is perfect by any measure, no. but it's 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 quite different than the comics. Like there's a there's a change up enough through the first like six episodes where it's. A proper adaptation, I would sure. say. Yeah, yeah. It's doing oh, its own whole thing, new and I was excited like, about yeah. it for that reason. I was excited about where this where this Walking Dead could go, you know, because it wasn't just telling me stuff I had already. Well, experienced. you know I what? Just, that's I, so boring. I don't like the Walking Dead show very much, but I will say I liked say, it to a point. I think it, it, and this goes counter to everything I just said. That first episode is like almost like a shot for shot remake 
of the first issue of Walking Dead, and I love uh-huh. the pilot of The Walking Dead. I think the pilot yeah. of The Walking Dead is an excellent zombie movie, just with Rick. Uh, I don't. So that... I don't know if I would agree if it didn't then do different things. Hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, if it, if it continued on that way, but like that that first one, I think is really well done. Um, yeah, I, I forgot about The Walking Dead. So either it's... shot for shot remake it or make it very <laughs> yeah. different. Zack Those Snyder, are, Zack Snyder, get on this options. and do a do a shot for shot. Remake Have you watched uh, the Snyder zombie movie? No, no, I'm not that. I'll, I'll, maybe, maybe it's. I, I've just seen generally I have to be... good things. I you seem to watch more movies than I had you, so I, I was curious if you might enjoy. Yeah, them. no, that's. I, I mean, I don't like Zack Snyder movies <laughs> much. I haven't really liked a Zack Snyder movie since 300. I, so. He seems to be. Uh, he seems to be good at zombie stuff, which is I know, liked Dawn my, of the Dead. Yeah, forte, but so. uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Joe Lisk in the chat says, Gene Engineer sounds stupid. How about N Gene Ear? Good one, Joe. Thank you very much. That's, you know, uh, missed opportunity, too, yeah. that I don't think Gene Engineer's name is Gene. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are we doing here with this guy, you know? Yeah, it just yeah, seems like a, a huge point. waste all around. Uh, I agree, Joe. Very, very true. All right. Let's, all right, we, get we, to we talked enough questions? about yeah. Yes, I do. Before we do the questions, I want to say two things, two announcements. Um, and I'll, Zach, I'm planning to record like a little ad or something so we can remember to add these to the episodes. Mm. In the month of June, we will be giving away a Marvel Legends Stiltman um, custom build figure, okay? So the Marvel Legends, you get like six Spider-Man characters, and then within each one of these action figure toys, you get a piece of the Stiltman. We'll be giving away a full set of that. It's expensive stuff. These Marvel Legends go for a penny, Zach. And uh, we'll be giving that away in June, all you have to do is rate and review My Marvelous Year on iTunes. If you do that, send us proof, send us a screenshot at mymarvelousyear@gmail.com. Do it on social at My Marvelous Year. Uh, you will be entered into a random drawing for a winner. Okay, uh, yep. so that'll be happening throughout June, and I just want to get that out of the way. If you have questions, um, find some stilts and uh, learn to use them. Walk in the general direction of Chicago. And shout very loudly, and you'll be so high <laughs> that I'll definitely hear you. Okay, so that's that's the June Stiltman giveaway, and also in June, we're going to be doing another doma- donation match program, right? So I haven't, we haven't finalized the charity that we'll be donating to yet, um, but please keep an eye out. Follow us at My Marvelous Year on social. Well, specifically, for- we're going to be doing a, a donation like. Uh, mini bonus episode thing where if you if you donate to a charity that we choose that we're going to be uh, picking and then let us know you can record a bonus episode with me about the comic of your choice sweet right. sweet yeah. thank you so that that'll be going on through june as well um and then zach and i will be donating the my Marvel this year earnings to a uh charity of our choice so yeah, yeah that was tons that of, will that be was going so down much fun last uh, last year recording all those those bonus apps so um and uh we already got a, a good influx of new reviews there's a bunch of long ones, so I'm not going to read them all out, but I will say thank you to Joel Berger, Frobat, Magic Grass, Dodger Boy, Ebenezer Al, and Get Meg. So thank you all for leaving nice reviews on iTunes. Thank you. All right, let's get to the questions. Peter asks, and this is relevant to all the movie talk we've been doing today, often we ask what characters or stories we'd like to see make it to the MCU. Today I want to know what characters or stories you hope don't make it onto the screen. I love this question. This is a great question. It's Zach, fun, I'll yeah. let you go first. Ah, uh, stilt man. I mean, that would suck. Boo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I just have no, to assume I, I, he's in I, Modoc. I would. Like, I'd be shocked crack if he's in Modoc. I would. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I w- I would crack up if uh, if Stiltman showed up in uh, you know, 
um, in in an MCU movie more than just a wink if he just came stomping onto you know onto stage. I mean, if we're um, actually gonna bring Daredevil in or you know continuing the Spider-Man mythos, just like in a five-minute opening of them taking down Stiltman, come on, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, just as like the opening scene, and then the ending yeah. scene where it's revealed he was behind everything all along, right? And then we've got ourselves a little Stiltman Soze. I think okay, that I got, I got, I've got an obvious answer here. Kaiser Marcus. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Marcus Amortis. You know that guy? I had Marcus on my list, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, Marcus uh, the... from Avengers 200 is out. No, thank you. Um, Hobgoblin? Ooh. Uh, he's just, it's just an answer where it's just like, we have Green Goblin, and why... Like, if they do a Green Goblin again, like in the MCU, if they did Green Goblin uh-huh. again, fine although we've already seen it. But then if they were like, well, we want to dip back into that well, <laughs> but not do Green Goblin, just doing Hobgoblin is, you know, just like in the comics, it feels like a little uh, a little pointless. You wouldn't like that. You wouldn't like, what if they just no. went straight to Hobgoblin instead of any Green Goblin stuff? You're not into I that? I mean, no, because Norman Osborn is like such a big part of... Yeah, no, I like the design. Um, that, that's give true. Me that, but, give me that but it's not that much better Hobgoblin, than, you know? Than, uh, so it's the green a nice one. looking costume. Yeah. All right, who do you got? Okay, my number five pick <laughs> was the Beyonder question mark. I am somewhat excited about the prospect of a Secret Wars in the MCU, something mm-hmm. a bit different, but I, I think there's a Secret Wars that works. I think it's probably better if it's not Beyonder driven, and we definitely don't need any inspiration from Secret Wars 2. So I think because of that, we have to write out the Beyonder. I think you can do something very cosmic that is different. Use mm-hmm. one of the use one of the many Jim Starlin creations across the cosmos. Um, I, I think we just don't bother with the Beyonder. I, I, I can't imagine you're going to have any uh, reservations about that. No, that's fine by me. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it doesn't Number serve four. a purpose that I'd want to see. Now, number four on my list: mm-hmm. the cast of Dazzler the movie. Okay. Well, I that's think... just saying you don't like Dazzler the movie because Dazzler <laughs> would be a great addition if we got Dazzler it... in there. I think it would be very funny if once we get mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they did a Disney Plus Dazzler the movie special. Like, that would mm-hmm. be funny, right? If all these years later we actually got a Dazzler movie, I want to see none. I, I almost I almost just said Dazzler, you know, just to make sure we get none of this. But in reality, oh, I wouldn't not mind gonna... it. They wouldn't go near that. Work. I mean, it, it, there would they wouldn't go near the story of Dazzler the movie. I mean, that, that I don't know. Some people maligned. on this very podcast have said how much they love it, and I'm just worried <laughs> that that's like it, Marvel is embarrassed enough about it. They don't even have it on Marvel Unlimited, right? Like it's one of those ones. Yeah, as right. they should be. Number three on my list. We already said Marcus from Avengers 200. <laughs> Glad we're both <laughs> yeah. on the same wavelength there. Number two on my list. Alpha Flight. Why? Yeah, Why? I knew, you, I knew it. I was waiting. Would you do an it. Alpha Flight movie? You should start. You, you know what? Honestly, they should start with Alpha Flight and then maybe get to X Men <laughs> at some point when they're doing. I mutants. mean, I mean, I, it, I'm not opposed to like Puck showing characters. up and being involved. I'm not. Puck, people I'm not like super North Star, to Sasquatch. Right? I like North Star. I like Aurora. I think all those characters can be Shaman. I mean, in Shaman. You get some indigenous representation in there. Here's what I. Here's the thing. They have Disney 
has enough money. If you want to do an Alpha Flight movie, that's fine. It can only be released in Canada. Just keep it strictly <laughs> I'll move. Canada release. I'll move. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that'd be cool. It'd make it super exclusive. You'd get all sorts of uh, visits up north to go see it. So, all right. And then number one on my list, Zach, you're going to be surprised by this, based on what you just said. Mm. Number one on my list of characters or stories we hope don't make it onto the screen, X-Men. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm... Okay. I'm I know yeah, it's going to happen. I know it's actually going to happen. There's no way Marvel doesn't do this. They got the rights. They're going to put mutants in here. I'm fine with them never being in the MCU and with me continuing to enjoy my comics. I actually think that will be easier. <laughs> yeah. I don't need MCU-ified X-Men. I really don't. Um, and maybe it could be good, but I I kind of think I'm better off without it. I don't know. What do you think? I'm I'm mostly with you that, like, like, there are a lot of characters that I'm not excited to see in the MCU, at least not for, like, a literal decade, <laughs> you know, where it's like, I don't want them to touch Wolverine. We've talked about this before. I think we've had this exact same conversation before, but especially, like, the original lineup, like, Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean Grey, not really interested. There's so many interesting mutants out there. Do I mean, New Mutants, that ship has already kind of <laughs> been screwed. Um, you know how you, you screw a ship. Um, well, but but assume no that metaphor totally tracks. Yeah. Um, assume that, that you dog could has sailed. Assume like Marvel's just like whatever. We don't care about these movies that came out previously from Fox. Yeah. We're just going to pick whatever characters we want to do. I mean, I, I do wonder is there a version of of introducing mutants that is substantially less familiar mm-hmm. that would maybe be a lot more appealing, right? So you I do think, like yeah. some of the weird, like not weird, but like you know Gen X, younger X Men, like kind of. You know, like, introducing us to the idea and the concept and how they work in this world without it being a Professor X and Magneto story, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's yes. a yes. that's yeah. a tough ask. I feel like that kind of has to be a TV series, honestly. Um, that that feels, more to me, more like a Disney Plus show than it does probably a movie, which, which again, I maintain there's zero chance that that's how Marvel <laughs> introduces mutants proper, you know? I don't know. I mean, they, they the thing is, like, MCU properties have a shelf life right like there there's only going to be so many steve roger captain america movies and at some point you can only have so many wolverine movies well but there but there can be three more sam wilson captain america movies sure but like maybe people don't respond to that the same way so like trying to trying to get you know like (laughs) basically milk the uh the cash cow for as long as they can might mean hey mutants are here the x-men we're not going to touch them for five years, you know, and like yeah. really build up that hype. And I think there's a way of doing that, especially focusing on lesser, like the, the, I, this is the point I, everyone's tired of hearing me say, but like a storm movie, you know, do like do solo movies about mutants based on some of the, uh, the, like the, the less explored ones that we are not like really sick of seeing. Um, it you know, would be, the... I, I don't know if you've said it in this context before. And if you have, then credit to you. But if you did the all-new, all-different, giant-size X-Men, but you did the build to that in solo movies like mm-hmm. they did for the Avengers, yeah. so we yeah, get yeah. a Nightcrawler, we get a Storm, we get a Colossus, etc., mm-hmm. um, that's actually pretty appealing. Yeah, That would actually be pretty fun. And, and then getting us to, you know, like you said, year five in actual X-Men. Yeah. That, that I might be into. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I it, whatever they do, I just am, you know, I'm hoping they avoid just jumping straight into Magneto, Professor X, pulling together a school, straight into the the, you know, basically replaying X Men number one. 
the the first movie. I mean, well, and they kind of they kind of can't will. though because we already have this world and no one's talked about mutants. Yeah, they have so, to find some way to backdoor them in. You know. Yeah, it it inherently needs to be a little more creative. Um, yeah. I, I think. I mean, you could do. They're all mutants are on an island, and Professor X made the world forget. You know, which is a popular theory people like to talk about. I'm not. I think that's wholly too, opposed but, to that, yeah, but I think that's too, a little it's too messy. People. Well, it's a little. I don't know about messy, but it's a little convenient. <laughs> yeah, a little, that too. Yeah, yeah, it's a little convenient. And it's also hard to tell stories on a solo character level. But whatever. Like you said, I hope we're. I hope we're a handful of years away. But otherwise, I hope we're so many years away that I'm not going to see X Men for a while. I guess I'll put it that way because sure. I, I kind of. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to. Yeah. Oh, I, I have one more character I don't want to see in um, MCU movies. That's uh, Clint Barton, Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, got some bad news for you about the, uh, the Disney yeah Plus i'm just despite Hawkeye myself i'm interested in that just mostly because of Haley steinfeld yeah i mean i like Kate bishop a lot as a character i even uh, kind of like um what's his name i forgot his name jeremy renner you besides, like jeremy renner more than besides, you like clint barton <laughs> yeah besides that's, that's as hawkeye dude. i think jeremy renner is an okay actor like oh, I see like that's all i know stuff. him as so i don't i don't have a ton of affinity um yeah. i like hawkeye in the marvel comics at least where he is now uh, yeah I, I mean that, the, this, is the not, this is not a comic relationship thing. Is, is very good yeah I'm, I'm hoping that that works out and they they can kind of you know kind of do an elizabeth olsen scarlet witch thing and like rejuvenate a character in the the movies with a little bit more focus so yeah i mean i am hopeful that the way that elizabeth olsen just got you know a full plate of of at bats yep. you know in wandavision yep. and just got to be like oh wow she's great um i am hopeful that people in hawkeye it'll be like oh this relationship between clinton kate um Hey, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, they're great together. Like that yeah. that could easily happen and and make sort of salvage, I guess, what well, that, that character's had some muddled storylines. So all right, let's go to a question here from Fancy Dan. Dave, with child number three on the way, what is your best asset as a father besides your love of comics? And then he asks, Zach, should you decide to have children someday? What do you think your best asset would be as a father, <laughs> besides your hot takes about widely acclaimed comics? Uh, good question, Fancy Dan. I think the first thing that I bring to the table is really strong character voice work. Um, I think when we're reading <laughs> stories, when we're reading uh, novels in the past, um, very good character voice work. And uh, they, I don't know that they're not going to remember things that I read to them when they're two, but when they grow up and they're like, man, when I think of dad, I think of just like nailing accents and just like crushing like emotion and narrative beats. Um, when I think of that, that, I think of crushing emotion. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what they're going to think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zach, what is, what's your answer? Here? Oh, it's, it's um, just, it's well, okay, here, let me ask you a question. Good you head ever, of hair. You ever dropped Height? a baby? Have I ever dropped a baby? Yeah. You ever dropped the, do you ever drop the kids? I have not. And you know what? I think it's, it's kind of an inherent fear when you don't, spend time with babies that like that might be a thing you do but yeah unless you're just a lunatic <laughs> like wow. i don't I, i've never <laughs> been i've never really even been that close because it's like you're holding something so delicate and so precious um it's it is it is in your best interest to be very careful well, or to okay, sit down so if you're unsure of yourself so no my, not. my, my point is that uh, i think it is my height you, you said it earlier and that's because when i do drop the baby it's from a greater height but that does make them tougher and give them like stronger calluses and you know stronger bones um oh in the long run so yeah I think, so I think my so height, as you yeah. can see there's a reason one of us is a father and one of us is not um but i do think i i'm jealous of the height 
jeans and probably the hair jeans. I well, I mean, you, I can tell in. you where I get my jeans if you. Uh, <laughs> is it uh is it Levi's or where are you getting them? Uh, no, yeah, I think I think that's fine. How, how are your joints? Are your joints uh weak? Are they a lot of pain in the joints or are they pretty no, strong? No, they're they're pretty good. Pretty good. Ah, jealous of that too. All right, Johannes asks. Because it's the 90s, Gist's appearances of big heroes and smaller titles to boost sales. Are there examples where this really works? What's your overall stance on it? Where's your this line is... between enriching the connected universe, harmless fun, and shameless calculated ripoffs? This was uh, interesting because I don't think I've ever really just thought about the you know characters popping in and out of each other's books like this before. Um, and then I immediately had the gut instinct of like, ah, it stinks, I hate it. And I think I stick by that for the most part, where, like, unless it feels like a integral... When is it ever bad? Tell me that. When it's bad? Yeah, like, when is it ever bad? When it does just feel like, oh, uh, Spider-Man's popping in so that we can have Spider-Man, and it's not, like, one, a strong part of the character of the main comic we're reading, or, like, an integral part of the story. So, like, some good examples would be Fantastic Four and Sue Storm is ill, and they go get Dr. Octopus. I like that a lot, right? Like, that was a really good moment for Dr. Octopus, and because they were writing Dr. Octopus really well, like, stayed really true to his character, and, like, found something interesting to do with his character, and it made a sense why they would go grab him. Um, And then, like, another one I really like is Black Widow showing up in Daredevil comics, because those characters are now, like, linked, and it just, like, it felt right, like, it feels correct for those characters to be linked. Fantastic Four and Daredevil hanging out, Eh, not so much. You know, like, it doesn't feel like those are characters that have much overlap or it's that, like, interesting of a, a run-in when that happens. You know, because th- we had that in the 60s. There was a Daredevil crossover with Fantastic Four. That's the one where he has his uh, his Daredevil sniper cane. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yes, yeah. I do. Um, no, I, there's a certain... Certain characters go better together. I mm-hmm. think conceptually, though, still, I mean, guest starring and the fact that this is a shared universe is a pretty big appeal of Marvel Comics. I think, you know, you mentioned Daredevil and Fantastic Four not working as well, but anytime Daredevil shows up in Spider-Man or vice versa, Mm -hmm. that tends to work very well. So I think some of that's just built on the relationships between the characters. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, like, the sort of crass, like, oh, put Wolverine or Punisher on the cover because it'll sell better kind of thing, that can definitely get overexploited and be really tiresome. Uh, But I, I will say there, though, is... Oftentimes that's on books that aren't as strong anyway. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's rare that I'm reading a series that I really like that then has that sort of crass commercial thing, with the exception of, you know, obviously we talked about the Simonson Fantastic Four and the, I was, you know, the, the obvious sort of tongue-in-cheekness about it. Um, because because they're in on the joke, that is fun to me. Mm. Um, that, and see, that, that's an example of it being, like, landing with a thud, because... I don't really, like, I don't remember big, strong character moments from the new replacement, Fantastic Four. You well, know, that's like, because like, that's because Walt hurt you. I mean, Walt, <laughs> Walt, Walt clearly yeah. emotionally devastated yeah, you, and you've never been able to forgive him. Yeah, he's been bullying me. Um, yeah, that, that felt like kind of like so superfluous and like uh, as an aside that it did not really work that well for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess the answer, and this is a boring one, and not very like prescriptive is you know when, when it's good it works and when it's bad it doesn't you know like it's it's not like a yes is always good yes it's always bad i just think oftentimes it reads as like e- either just someone wanting to play with another toy but not really have anything um you know like clever or 
interesting to say about with that character, or it does feel shoved in because they're trying to boost sales, and that's you know, it pretty, it uh, can. I yeah. generally don't mind. I will say, like, mm. pro- like definitely, I don't mind at all. Like just crossing over characters. Um, if it's an X book that is struggling or something, and it's like better put Wolverine on the cover. Um, honestly, like seeing mutant teams interact with Wolverine generally works, so I'm probably not that opposed to it. Uh, if it's a character like the Punisher that I'm kind of not that into anyway, then you know maybe it doesn't work as well for me, right? But I, I, unless it's just like very obviously crass, I mean, I, I would say the thing that bothers me a lot more. I, I generally, it feels like harmless fun. I guess is where I net out. The thing that bothers me a lot more is if something is on the cover that is straight up not in the comic. You know, like and M- we've talked that, about that, that before. That issue of MJ, like pulling open her shirt like Superman to, to reveal the Spider-Man thing underneath, and then that's sure. not in the comic whatsoever. Sure. I was like, where is Superman? He didn't show up once. He didn't show <laughs> up a single time. I was absolutely livid. Uh, my, my favorite go-to recommendation or reference for this is there's a cover of Avengers World, a series that came out in the 2010s, that had Thanos on the cover holding yeah, a planet, yeah. and I'm pretty sure he doesn't that. even show yeah. up <laughs> in the book. That there's- sucks. I hate that. You know, actually, you know what it is that that bothers me about this? It's that oftentimes when you have a guest star like Punisher, the when they bring them in, they ground them down to the like the most like boring vanilla version of that character that like like how often does Punisher just show up as like the kill crazy maniac with some guns that the other characters are like, "Whoa, whoa, calm down there." And you don't get a good Punisher story, right? It's like other characters bouncing off like the, the most mundane, generic version of that character. And I think that's a really that's, challenging thing to pull off to bring yeah. in a character from a different book that you're not specializing in and yeah. to write them well in a exactly. very limited supporting role. Um, you yeah, know who yeah. did this great that we talked about actually is uh, mm-hmm. when I interviewed him, is Chip Zdarsky with Spider Man on Daredevil. And that's somebody who has written a lot of Spider Man. So, like, yeah. there's, there's level of familiarity, but when he brought him in to Daredevil, it works extremely well. But those characters have a long history too. So it's. Yeah, I, I think ultimately yeah. we're we're mostly in agreement, yeah. um, with me being slightly more right somehow. <laughs> um, Tyler also asks, "Do you think the success of creator-owned books, partially spearheaded by former '90s Marvel icons, has led to a dearth of new and interesting characters or concepts in big two books?" I know that if I were a writer on a Marvel book and I had a rad idea for a character, I'd much rather take that to my own title than relinquish control to the Marvel universe. Um, so that's definitely. It, it doesn't begin with image, you know? It doesn't begin with the 90s image guys and whatnot. Definitely it has escalated since then. Um, I, I remember reading even an interview, I think, with Roy Thomas, who's kind of, you know, very much a company man for Marvel, yep. right, throughout his yeah, career. Yeah. And even I, he was, if I'm remembering correctly, was like, yeah, I didn't really want to create new characters for Marvel because they would own them. So, like, I think there's a general sense of that for most creators of this time period. Um I do think it limits the the new characters and concepts that you would see in big two on properties. I mean, how could it not? I, I think creatively, like the really, really special types of writers and artists, um, it's not in their best interest. It, it truly, truly is not to drop those ideas into Marvel and DC, which doesn't mean we're not going to get new interesting stuff because there still is a lot of value for creators to get the platforms and the audiences and the sort of fandom that Marvel and DC can provide, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allows them, I mean, like the, the pipeline for comics creators for the last decade or so that I've followed it has certainly been, you go to a Marvel or a DC, you do big things, you build your audience, and then you take your act 
solo, and then you bounce with Marvel and DC pending projects that you want to take on. You know, and we've seen that well, with. I don't, I don't know. What about like? Because I'm thinking of James Tynan, the fourth. Well, he hasn't hit that stage yet. That's what I'm saying. He just got. He's on Batman now, right? I mean, and, no. He wrote a ton of Detective Comics, and he's been doing Batman for over a year now. He's right? like, here's that, the, that, here's what I here's is, my prediction is there a for higher Tynan. job? Is, is there a you know a more pro or a notable job at DC than writing Batman? Yeah, but he's only been doing that for like a year. That's what I'm saying. Is here's my prediction: is when he's done with his Batman run, mm-hmm. he will take his act and he will only produce his excellent creator-owned work. Oh, I mean, he's for got some time. four creator-owned series running at the same time. That that guy's a powerhouse. <laughs> That's so. You know what? You yeah. know why he's actually particularly interesting though in this conversation is, I guess, part one to what you're saying is I think he's actually still on the ascent. Oh, right. I so think he so hasn't. Too, yeah. He hasn't like, hit that. Oh, I can just go was do whatever a wild I want. Year for him, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like he's one of the hottest writers in comics, no question. Um, I, what's interesting about his Batman run, and I won't spoil any of it for those of you who aren't reading in twenty twenty one. He's actually introducing a lot of new characters. I was gonna say pun, um, punchline, right? Punchline's a punchline made waves, but now there's been like a, like a bunch more, and it's very unusual in yeah. in this in where we are in comics Tynion and Jorge Jimenez and his other collaborators they're introducing a ton of Batman villains in a way that is really appealing i think mm-hmm. people are really digging the coming around on this era of Batman because of that and i think to Tyler's point i think a big part of that is because it's so unusual for mm-hmm. a creator to actually do that with a big two property where they know they're kind of you know you're giving away the idea or whatever yeah. it is yeah, right yeah there might be a billion dollar movie about this in four years and you're not gonna you know you're not you're not seeing a, a decent chunk of that right like well and that's the and that's the real bitter truth of it right yeah. is is now especially and we saw this so like we've seen jim starlin talk about this we've seen most recently at brubaker had an interview with kevin smith where he talked about this um and on down the line where creators of comics that are adapted into movies um, of characters that appear in those, of storylines that appear heavily in those, you know, they aren't really compensated appropriately no, for how much no. money I, those I bet. It, I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically, but I bet, you know, Ed Brubaker make more off of writing the Captain America comic than he did from those movies, right? Like, I bet his paycheck was just I bigger writing the comics. Zero is, idea if that's true. <laughs> I, I don't know. Either, he was offered, like, he I, was offered money for the Winter Soldier's appearances. He turned it down because in this interview he said, like, it was almost insulting. And he comes across yeah. very gracious in describing this because it's the sort of thing where I can see people reacting on the, weirdly on the side of Disney and Marvel. Um, but he, if you watch the interview or listen to it, he so I, I have no idea if he made more writing Captain America. Um, maybe, maybe not. Regardless, it's like these movies make the most money in the world. Mm-hmm. He and Steve Epting created that Winter Soldier concept. They didn't create Bucky Barnes, right? But they created the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not the ones being rewarded for it appropriately, uh, I I would not say, right? And I, I think that is getting increasingly uncomfortable for me as a consumer to a degree. Yeah. Um, I think like Jim Starlin, for example, like if Thanos is making you money, Jim Starlin should be retiring easily whenever No, he that's wants. the thing is like- these, You know what these, I mean? There is, there is something about like getting into this world of comics and realizing that the people who created the biggest characters in the world are living like- probably like comfortably middle class existences yeah <laughs> you know like and that's wild because it's just like you know the 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 amount of money that has been made by these characters is enormous because what's the the is it um 
Bill Mantlo, right? Yeah, yeah. Bill Mantlo making yeah. Rocket Raccoon and some of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters and like having a really hard time with medical bills. As the Guardians of the Galaxy is just making all this money and that's, you know, that that's so heartbreaking and deeply unfair, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it is and it, it sucks and it, it yeah. is also, you know, it's not I guess it's not super shocking, you know, kind of as this stuff was taking off that like cuz like these creators wouldn't have it's not like at the time in oh, 1985 yeah, or whatever, yeah. they would have been like, hey, and when Rocket Raccoon becomes one of the most recognizable anthropomorphic characters in the world, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. I want to be compensated, right? So, like, no surprise, it's not in the contracts. Probably there might be creators now, you know, who have, who are making sure that those things are there. Like, I would be really surprised if Jonathan Hickman going back to Marvel with the X-Men doesn't have some writers, or at least I hope, like <laughs> some writers for like, hey, if you adapt a bunch of my stuff from House of X and Powers of Ten, yeah. um, I'm going to get credit or I'm going to be involved or whatever it has to be, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I really hope that's it. there yeah. because I, I feel like that, especially if you're a creator who can push for things like that, like like you're just, you're getting ripped off if you're not, if you're not going to be getting credit for that. Um, but all of this to say, that tiny run is is fascinating to me because it's doing the exact opposite of what we're describing or what Tyler's describing of all of a sudden dropping all these new Batman villains and being really cool. And it kind of it's kind of a bummer because it makes you think like, yeah, if Marvel and DC were not so historically, if just comics in general weren't so historically bad about respecting creators and sharing the wealth, essentially, we'd probably see a lot better stories. I, I mean, I'm guilty of this, but the conversation around like, I think our last variant cover, someone being like, hey, why are all the characters from the last decade, all the new Marvel and DC characters, they're legacy characters, if we have any. Right? It's Ironheart, it's Miles Morales, it's Miss Marvel, right? Like, they're usually legacy versions of old characters. And, yeah. and I think, like, the easy answer to that is probably like, oh, well, you know, Spider-Man sells, Wolverine sells, right? Like, a brand new character who doesn't exist doesn't isn't a proven market commodity. I think, obviously, that has... A fair amount to do with it, but I think this is probably also another big part of it is what you're saying. Why make a new character that you think like might has the might have the possibility to become the next big hero? Yeah. When you know in four years you're not going to be you know you'll be off the line off the comic and you're not going to be making that money anymore off of it. Yeah, I do. I do wonder too. To Tyler's point, you know the the image guys were were a hot commodity, right? That was a big moment. And not only comics, but just kind of culturally, right? And we've talked about that a bunch mm-hmm. as we talk about 1990 and 1981. I do wonder how many of the creators we see working today, like their influence almost certainly got in creators working today's heads, you know, like in terms of whether they were there at the time or whether they were young and collecting comics or even younger and were born after the fact. I do think their influence in terms of like publicizing the value of owning your own stuff, um, of doing it through image, that's maybe not something that would have been as well known, you know, just publicly, I guess, or yeah. even just amongst fandom in like, you know, 1990. And I do think there's a lot of value in what they did, honestly. Um, not to portray them as like <laughs> these incredibly selfless heroes or something because no, it's not I mean, quite no. that level, but it is like, it's a good, yeah, work, work, th- I it's mean, a good road around. that they paved for comics, I guess. Yeah. I mean, working in their self-interest, but it did get them, you know. And, but and also, get- but also at risk, you know, but also there was, fair yeah, amount of risk of involved course, yeah. and it, it yeah, ultimately yeah. did make comics a better place i think in some ways um at least in all terms right. of creator ownership so all right good question tyler tyler also asks final question we're gonna answer today zach hot or cold sandwiches for lunch he says put me Ooh. on team hot zach what's your take what's a good what's a good like hot sandwich i don't really eat meat anymore so like hot sandwiches are a little like i don't know but i mean honestly as a vegetarian 
sandwiches kind of they kind of stink kind of stink like i the sandwich sandwiches are the bigger thing i miss so it's like egg sandwiches and grilled cheese sandwiches that's really really i mean surely you could do cheese and peppers and some sort of veggies right i mean isn't that yeah just a bunch of vegetables and cheese excuse me you're the vegetarian react with disgust to your own meal to me i mean like all right can does it does a does a burger count as a sandwich I'm not trying to, to meme us would up you, over here. Would but. you frequently have a burger for lunch? Maybe like a leftover black bean burger. I have a I have a wicked good black bean burger. So you, Actually, so let's let's maybe you know back this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. You're, the, this the is maybe the most flustered I've ever seen you. But um, you would rather have <laughs> a hot lunch than a cold lunch. Yeah, for sandwiches because cold sam. Yeah, I guess specific. All right. Meat What's eating, a good cold meat, sandwich? Meat right? eating is just like cold sandwich for sure. Like a cold cut like lunch sandwich. Meat? Yeah, yeah. Like a lunch meat sandwich, like on a, a nice crusty hoagie roll. Ooh. Oh yeah. No, thank you. No, like thank a cold cut, cold cut trio, a BLT, an, an Italian. Oh god, yeah. I do love a good BLT. I would say a BLT is a the Thanksgiving best cold sandwich. sandwich. Thanksgiving sandwich. Got that turkey cranberry sauce stuffing gravy on a sandwich. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, baby. It's very specific. <laughs> You're clearly craving meat right now. Zach is <laughs> slobbering into his microphone. We're about to short circuit here. Um, yeah, I, I probably prefer a hot lunch. Um, I don't necessarily make a ton of sandwiches e- either. I'm with you there, Zach. Uh, I have a lot more tacos or quesadillas Ooh, or fajitas yeah, bur- or yeah, we do burritos you know whatever you want to describe, right? Yeah. So uh, sandwich-esque, right? Sandwich-esque. Uh, but put me on team hot as well. I think team cold, yeah. unless you're eating a BLT, like, and here's the thing, like, I get it. You know, it's a luxury to to have the time to warm up something tasty. You know, if you just got got to grab something on the go, need some lunch meats, you know, having a picnic outside. I, I understand. Uh, <laughs> you're too hurried. You're, you're, you have to hurry too quickly to your picnic. To your picnic. To, uh, to yeah, together yeah. something warm. Yeah. That's, that's why you're not bringing a hot sandwich to the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, hot sandwiches. That's going to do it. You heard yeah, it that's, first. The, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookhero.com. He's Zach. You can find him at my Marvelous Year on social. Music for the show is provided by Disaster Peace, D-I-S, Aster Peace. Um, <laughs> you can find all of the comics <laughs> in the show me. notes that we're going to be reading next, including uh, 1991 Part 3. If you want access to the full spreadsheet, go on over to patreon.com slash this year, where you can support us in for as little as $1 a month. Get access Ooh, to the that, sheet yourself. That Part 3 has got a, a guest. Part 3 and 4. We've got a great guest, Jeremy Greer, from um, Days of Future Cast podcast. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited yeah. about those guest episodes. They're good yeah. ones. Good ones for you to listen to. So yeah. stay tuned. Keep listening. Keep joining us on the My Marvelous Year journey. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year.